Hi, it's Mark Raven. I hope you'll check out my new book. It is available now. It's titled The Mistakes That Make Us, Cultivating a Culture of Learning and Innovation. It's available in print editions, both paperback and hardcover, and Kindle format, with an audiobook coming soon. You can find it now on Amazon. If you'd like to order signed copies or do a bulk order, you can go to mistakesbook.com. We all make mistakes. What matters is learning from them as individuals, teams, and organizations. A culture of learning from mistakes spurs improvement, innovation, and better business results. Again, the book is The Mistakes That Make Us. It includes stories from this podcast series and a whole lot more. So again, go to mistakesbook.com. Episode one, Kevin Harrington and Mark Tim. Well, I'm going to go back. It was 30, 30 years ago. I, I made a big mistake. Okay, I made plenty since then too, but let me, I'll go back to one of the first big ones that I made. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. And I'm really excited today to be joined by two guests. They are co-authors of the upcoming book, Mentor to Millions, Secret of a Success in Business and Beyond. And so our guests are Kevin Harrington and Mark Tim. So let me tell you about uh, Kevin uh, real quickly. You may recognize him as one of the original sharks. I recognize him as that. On the, uh, the hit TV show, Shark Tank, he's, get this, he's the creator of the infomercial. He's a pioneer of the as-seen-on-TV industry. And he's the co-founding board member of the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, founded in 1987. And you can learn more about Kevin at kevinharrington.tv. And we're joined again by his co-author, Mark Tim. Mark has been a serial entrepreneur and exponential thinking practitioner for almost three decades. He's started more than a dozen companies, several of which have multiplied and have been sold. He's spoken professionally for more than 25 years, giving thousands of speeches to over a million people around the globe. And you can find out more about him at Mark tim.com. So uh, Kevin and Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Mark. Yeah, thank you. And I want to let the audience know, um, related to their book, Mentor to Millions, um, if you stay on till uh, the very end of the episode, you're going to learn about a special offer. If you'd like to have a shark as your mentor, make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, So, you know, the theme here on the podcast is about learning from mistakes and, and growing and kind of reflecting on something you might consider your favorite mistake. Um, Kevin, what, what would you want to share with the audience there? Well, I'm going to go back. It was 30, 30 years ago. I, I made a big mistake. Okay. I made plenty since then too, but let me, I'll go back to one of the first big ones that I made. So I, I, I was in uh, the Asina TV business. We were doing about um, uh, about a hundred million dollars a year in business. So we built the company up nicely, had uh, about a dozen products on television, Jack LaLanne and the juicer and George Foreman and Tony Little and Billy Mays and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so, um, I, every week we would do about 2 million in sales. 
And, and most of it happened over the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because um, it was, it, we didn't like to advertise on Wednesday morning when just the wife was home. It, it was more, you know, weekend oriented. So, so um, I would leave on Friday and, and come in on Monday and expect, oh, we're going to get our tally on sales and um, we're going to get that 2 million generally, give or take that, you know, probably 1.8 to 2 million in sales deposited in our account on Monday morning. So come in on Monday, my CFO is is sitting in my office and he's like very upset. And he's like, Kevin, I don't know what to tell you, how to tell you, but uh, the bank is not going to send us the 2 million this week. They're holding it. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? They're holding it in a reserve account against hmm. uh, our credit card processing account. Right. And so I, I, as we got into it, as it turned out, they actually did have a legal right to do that, at least initially. Um, and, and if they felt like they didn't have enough reserve, we had a half a million dollar reserve sitting there. So, so now that two million though represented my life, my business. This is 30 years ago. I was not a wealthy guy at the time. And that, that was my cash flow, my operating capital, my payroll for the next week, mm-hmm. my inventory, my media. It was my existence. And so to them, they thought, oh, let's just grab this guy's doing 100 million. We're just going to grab 2 million. But we were out of business. So what we found out was this uh, we sat down with the bank. One of our products was having a big defect problem from the factory. So we would bring 10,000 pieces in, we would ship 10,000 pieces, 3,000 of them were defective. So all these calls going to the banks, the banks, what they have to do? Oh, let's just freeze this account. So that's what they did. They grabbed all of our cash, froze the account and put us out of business more or less. Now, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, we ended up working ourselves through this whole mess and and what ended up happening was it, it's a long story. I won't get into every detail, but we we were able to force them to give us back 1.6 million of it eventually, not like a day later, unfortunately. But um, and let them have an extra 400 thousand. But this is the, what we did, and this is what we learned. Mm-hmm. We had 12 products running on one merchant account. If you have one little problem with one product, you're out of business. This product represented probably 3% of our sales, but 100% of our aggravation with the bank. Mm, And so what we did from there is we set up separate merchant accounts for every single product, separate businesses, separate profit and loss statements, et cetera. And we ran our business completely in, in, in these little silo kind of situations. So an amazing learning curve. We did get our money back. We did survive. We ended up building that business to 500 million eventually. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, we would never have been able to do it if we still ran on one merchant account. So that was a big learning curve for me. Wow. And, and, and it, it's, it's all, as always, it's good to learn from mistakes and not repeat them. And, and I can only imagine there was that period of trying to figure out well, why are they holding the funds back? Is that because they were protecting against uh, chargebacks or things that might naturally occur or there was more than normally occurred? Yeah, so the, this one item that we had was that we were they were shipping us a high defective rate of, of goods. Yeah. Now, I'm not a manufacturer. I pay good quality manufacturers to make good quality products. 
little did I know, we even QC some stuff at the factory, but little did we know because it would hit our warehouse and just go right out. Mm-hmm. Well, the first 10,000 pieces, we were, you know, massive problems. And people get upset when when you ship them something that they plug in and doesn't turn on. It's like, what's going on here? You know, right. they almost think you were they're being ripped off. Right. I, you know, we weren't trying to rip anybody off. We just, we had a bad manufacturer that needed to tighten up his, his manufacturing uh, quality assurance processes. So yeah. uh, once we figured it all out, the bank understood that this wasn't our whole company that was in trouble. It was just this one product. We're going to stop selling that product and, you know, et cetera. But it's, you know, it, it's something we never wanted to have to go through again. Yeah. And it sounds like you were able to avoid that then. And, and that's oh, yeah. probably, it's probably a lesson you shared with others in, in other settings when you're mentoring and coaching other businesses. Yeah, you know, I don't publicly tell very many people except in forums like this, but um, I, 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 Mark, is this in the book, by the way? Do we, did we yeah. talk about this? In fact, uh, we, we have a whole section in the book that's just dedicated to this story, but not just this story, but there's a lot of stories that Kevin said since then of where he's experienced failure. In fact, we have an entire chapter of the book that's called From Failure to Phoenix. And it's all about failures and it's about falling down and getting up stronger than you were before you fell down. And that's really the the true test of any successful entrepreneur is not how successful they've been, but how they responded to the failures that they've had in their life. And we dig into that in a big way. And this is one of the key stories that uh, we unpacked even bigger than what Kevin did right here and was able to in this, uh, in this recording. Yeah. And, and Kevin, thank you for, um, you know, being willing to admit that. I mean, you know, one of the key themes here on the podcast again is that uh, we all make mistakes, even really successful people, sharks um, have, have things they learn from in their lives. So thank you. You bet. For, for being willing to share that. So, you know, again, um, the book is that, that Mark Tim mentioned is called Mentor to Millions. And um, Mark, I was wondering if, if Mark Tim, if you could join us or if you could share um, an example of uh, something that was a, a favorite mistake that you've learned and grown yeah, from. Absolutely. Mine's a little different take. And that is uh, I, I've got six kids and I became an entrepreneur. I worked in corporate America and I became an entrepreneur because I wasn't seeing my kids at all. I was going to work after, before they got up. I was coming home after they were already in bed. And I'm like, this is not why I was put on this earth. I, I was put on this earth to be a husband, a father. And so I'm going to become an entrepreneur so that I can be that person that I was set to be. And I had a lot of success as an entrepreneur. But what happened was, is, is that while I was busy being an entrepreneur, I became just as busy and what happened was my family of six kids and a wife was getting my last and my least. Mm. And because they were getting my last and my least, they started to resent the fact that I was an entrepreneur. They didn't like the fact that I was an entrepreneur. I was missing games. I was missing commitments. I was on the phone. And I was in, I, in turn, I was started working more hours than I was when I was working in corporate America. And that was a huge mistake that I made. In fact, the book that you're referencing, Mentor to Million, starts out, the opening line is, I pulled into my driveway and I stopped my car because I knew I didn't want to go home. Now, the reasons for an entrepreneur not to want to go home is I just filed bankruptcy. I just lost a lot of money. But in my case, it was because I just had one of the most incredible days as an entrepreneur. I made 99 out of 99 decisions with confidence and clarity. I made one of the biggest sales I'd ever made. And I stopped at the end of my driveway because my family couldn't see me yet. And I didn't want the feeling to end. 
I knew as soon as I went home, I was going to be faced with chaos and confusion instead of confidence and clarity. And that was a massive mistake that I had made in my life to position it the way that I did. And it was that day, and we unpack this in the book. In fact, it's a whole lesson that is an undercurrent in the entire book. And the undercurrent goes like this. What if the most valuable business that you will ever own, ever operate, ever be a part of, ever be on a board of directors, ever be in a meeting about, was the business you were going home to instead of the business you went to that day? And the business I'm talking about is your family. And it was that day that I sped home up that driveway because I had gotten it figured out. And I made my family my most valuable business. And thanks to mentors like Kevin, I figured out that I could take the lessons that Kevin was teaching me about business and scale and I could apply them at home and start scaling. That's why the book is more than just business. You can learn a lot about business and mentor to millions, but you're going to learn a lot about how to scale relationships, scale family and beyond. And the results that happen as a result of that decision, figuring it out, I started giving my family my first and my best instead of my last and my least. I actually legally incorporated my family. You can look it up on the register. 2B Tim's LLC is a legal entity of my family in the state of Indiana. And I started running that family like it was my most valuable business. And the results that happened with my family and the relationships with my kids are beyond anything I could have ever even dreamed when I first left corporate America to become an entrepreneur. It's because I figured out, I learned from my massive mistakes. I got real mentors in my life, not just for business, but for family. And then I watched that valuable business scale to be what I consider the most valuable business in the world. Wow. And, and so I'm sure that, you know, like you said, there's more about this in the book. Um, you know, people for a long time have talked about work-life balance and there, there's almost a, a trendy newer phrase, work-life integration. Is that something that, that resonates with you? Or, work-life or, balance is a myth. It yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, anyone who seeks out to get work-life balance, they're going to fall off one side of the log or the other. There is no such thing as work-life balance as an entrepreneur. You're just going to be treading on that, and then you're going to fall flat on your face. Work-life integration is a way better way. How did I find more time? I was still busy, okay? But how did I find the time to build the relationships? For three years, and Kevin knows this because he experienced it. During the period of our mentorship relationship where Kevin's the mentor of me, I, I traveled. I didn't go a single business trip without one of my kids with me for three years. And that meant that I was going to big time meetings with Kevin Harrington and one of my kids was with me. I was going to his house and strategizing and one of my kids was with me. And I think it, it at first Kevin was like, what's going on? But then it became kind of cool because they were evolving in front of his eyes because they were in proximity to people like Kevin. So he was mentoring me, but in a way he was mentoring them as well. And it, it was beautiful. And they, they are forever changed because of that decision. So was I still busy? Yes. But I integrated them into my busyness and it changed everything. So as, as a result, did the family share more of that sense of excitement and pride from your business success? So I gave you the beginning of the book, which is them, me sitting <laughs> at the driveway, not wanting to go home. Yeah. The end of the book. So Kevin talks about magical transformation. That is his big thing. If you can show magical transformation, it's, it's everything. Well, the magical transformation in the book is five years after, you know, through this whole experience, the end of the book is three of my kids going up on stage and the, the person, uh, there's 500 people in the audience 
and they, they saw my kids with me while I was speaking at this conference, and they said, we want to talk to your kids. No time to prep them, no time to tell them anything. They set them up on stage and said, what was it like being the child of an entrepreneur? And within minutes, the entire audience is in tears, consoling each other in tears, listening to my kids talk about how much they resented me being an entrepreneur, how much they hated me being an entrepreneur five years earlier, but now how profoundly their life has changed and how they wouldn't want their father being anything but an entrepreneur. And it's only because, listen, I'm the same person driving the same vehicle in the same house that I was at the beginning of that book. But at the end of the book, what changed is me and my mindset and my commitment to them. And that, and it changed everything in their life. And the people in the audience were crying because they dream someday of their children saying that about them. Because yeah. as entrepreneurs, that's ultimately what we want. We want to be the father, the husband, the business owner, the CEO of our family that we were put on this earth to be. Wow. So in the book preview, one of the themes that, that really jumped out to me is, as, 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 as it said, fail fast, recover more quickly, and learn the important lessons that will take you to your next big win. And, and to me, that, that's what the, this podcast is all about. So maybe can, can each of you, maybe back to you, Kevin, share one other example where, you know, as it says in the book description, failure has been an integral part of the journey. I know you already, you know, shared your one example there, Kevin, yeah. but. So, so when I, when I first started doing infomercials, uh, I, I got all excited about my very first project and it was successful and it worked and that was great. And then I go on to the next one and it bombed and the next one and it bombed. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm out of business. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to do this anymore. But then about the fourth or fifth, sixth one, oh, it worked and we had another hit. So, so now I'm thinking, well, okay, what is this? It's like, so I, I, as it turned out, I'm in the product development business. I launch products. They're not all going to work. You've got to get your mind set for that because like when I hired my son, he, he graduated from Penn State. He starts in the, in the company and he's running running around doing projects and his, he had this one that he was just knew was going to work. And when it launched, it bombed and he was just devastated. So, cause I hadn't prepared him for failure. Mm-hmm. And so I, I figured out I was hitting on, on one out of three, one out of four of my projects, which meant I failed two out of three or three out of four times. And, and so the important thing was to get the most you could out of those failures and learn from them, you know, do a, a post failure, um, you know, uh, kind of review and analysis of what went wrong and why it went wrong. Of course, we always did a little tweaking. We didn't just accept failure. We'd go back and try some new things, um, you know, one, two or three times before we declared it dead. But we realized that not everything was going to hit. That's a fact of business. So let's, how do we put as little money as possible into the failures? And this is fail cheap, fail Mm. fast, fail cheap, but understand that this is part of life. And, and as Winston Churchill said, 
Success is being able to go from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm, okay? So um, I didn't quite get enthused to fail, but no, I, I, I did. I was able to look at it and say, what did I learn from that? Let's take that value that we got, move on to the next one because the next one's gonna be a big hit. And as it turned out, yes, our business, it was a numbers game. And, and as we started being able to identify the key components of success, we could minimize the things that we tested. And now th this was all done in the old days on TV, which was very expensive. Now we can do it on Facebook and Instagram with $5 ads and not $5,000 media buys, right? So it's in today's world, it's a lot easier, but um, you know, I, I, I'm just now conditioned to be able to handle the fact that not everything's gonna work. And my son also, he understands that too, because you know he's he's been around it and learned it also. It, it probably, I mean, you, you talked about the having your first one as a success versus your first one as a failure. That's got to right. be a different. Um, yeah. Well, that, thank God um, it, it was successful because if it was a failure, I may have decided never to do any more of that again. But it, the first one did hit. It was it was great, and and so. Um, it was just that sometimes you know, uh, we'll go through 10 launches of, of things and they all fail, uh, but then we'll hit two, three winners in a row. So it, it kind of averages out for us, at least one out of three to one out of four are, are, are working. And, and by the way, if one of those winners happens to be a hundred million dollar success, like we, we did, we had several of that. We had more than three of those with Tony little alone, but um, you know, so you, you, you learned that the big ones can pay for a lot of failures. Yeah. And, and Mark, you know, since the book is, is focused on mentoring and you've talked about the mentoring that you've gotten from Kevin, can you think of uh, a common mistake that's made in the mentoring process, either by the mentor or the mentee? Yeah, I certainly can. Um, so I'll, I'll speak to both of them, you know, in that regard, because I can be pretty concise on this. And that is one of the mistakes that people make in choosing a mentor is they choose someone that they think, oh, I, I got to talk to this person because, you know, they can really help me. But at the end of the day, you need to choose a mentor that you that you know more about them. So you know what they can help you, that you like them and that you trust them. That no like and trust is so important. And the reason it's so important in selecting a mentor that you know, like, and trust, or you've read their content, you may not know them personally, but you know who they're about, you follow them on social media, is because ultimately they're going to give you advice and they're going to share their wisdom and you need to implement it. So the biggest mistake that a mentee makes with a mentor is they don't implement. The number one goal of any mentee should be to be the mentor's best student. If you can be their best student, and, and I'm telling you, it's, it's in the book, so I'll just tell you right now, when Kevin agreed to mentor me, I doubled down. I actually took my family from Indiana down to St. Petersburg, Florida for a month so that I could be in proximity, not so I could stalk Kevin. We were already way beyond, you know, in our relationship. I came down there, though, because he had precious little time, and I wanted to be in proximity to him when those opportunities came up, whether it was a meeting or a lunch or, as it turned out, playing golf with Kevin or traveling on the same plane with Kevin. We've got some great stories about our travels that we had together and what I learned on those travels. So, I doubled down and said, if this man is going to give me some of his time and I see how valuable his time is, I'm going to be his best student. And you know what ended up happening? He gave me more time. 
So when you become the best student of your mentor, they're busy. They've got no time, but they'll give you more time if they see you implementing, if they see you doing what they tell you to do. That is a huge mistake. People say, oh, I want you to be my mentor. They give them three things to do. And the next time they see them, they're like, how to work out? And they're like, oh, I, I haven't quite got to that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that next. You right. think that mentor is going to be very excited to give them any more wisdom or advice? Heck no. They're not going to give them any more wisdom or advice. So when you get a mentor, be willing to commit, be willing to implement, be their best student, okay? And choose a mentor that that you're, and by the way, it goes both ways. If you're going to become a mentor, because the secret to our book, Mentor to Millions, is not about money. It's about impact. If you're listening and you've got the ability to impact millions of people, the fastest way to impact them is to have the right mentors and then be the right mentor. That's the secret formula. If you have the right mentors and you become the right mentor, that is the exponential explosion that allows you to impact millions of people. So if you're a mentor and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to start sharing this and being a mentor for others. You better choose people that you know, like, and trust. You better choose people that you're willing to invest in or you're going to fall short as well. So mentor to millions, be a mentor, have the right mentor, and then sit back and watch the fireworks go. Well, and so this humble little podcast might not reach millions, but I do appreciate you sharing these thoughts uh, and advice for uh, the listeners and the viewers. Um, Kevin, I just want to throw it back to you one last time. Do you have any thoughts as, you know, hearing Mark describe that mentor-mentee relationship, anything you would add from from your side of that? Yeah, I, I think he, he, he's, he's dead on. I mean, it, the as a mentor, and you, you're putting your time and your effort, generally there's, you know, there's, there's no strings attached. There's no monetary situation in, in, in many of these situations. So um, if, if I'm doing all of that and, and giving great ideas and coming up with some amazing um, whether it's content or partnership possibilities, and, and then the pursuit isn't happening from the mentee side. And I've had this happen to me, right? Oh, well, th that idea was great, but uh, I just haven't had the time to do it or whatever. It's like, well, they're wasting my time. So I think the important thing is as a mentor um, and, and as a mentee, rather, you want to be the best student. That's the most important thing. And in and, and the book, Mentor to Millions, we also teach you how to get mentors, where to find mentors, things like this, because a lot of people feel that it's out of reach or I could never have a shark as, as, as a mentor. Um, I, I love to tell this a quick story. I went to a big conference, 10,000 person conference. I was a keynote address a, a, a person speaking there and I'm leaving the conference. I get to the airport and I'm at the gate getting uh, a little quick little snack before I jump on the plane. And this young boy in his had to be 22 years old comes over to me and hands me a hundred dollar bill. And he said, Mr. Harrington, I've been following you for three days. I, I, I couldn't just come up and ask you for your time for free because I know how valuable it is, but I have one question and I want to pay you a hundred dollars to give me that answer. And so little, you know, Hey, what did I do? I said, sit down, take your hundred dollars back. And now I'm mentoring him, but I love that approach. And, and by the way, from three or four months now, I've been mentoring this young entrepreneur. So sometimes it's the, the best approach can get the best 
the best mentor. And, and I, I love talking about some of these these creative things. But yeah, in the book, Mentor to Millions, we, we talk a lot about how to get, where to get mentors, et cetera, et cetera. And had a lot of fun with Mark writing the book also. Yeah. Is, oh, that's, that's great. So speaking of, as we teased at the beginning, being mentored by a shark, um, Mark, Tim, you have uh, a special offer and a website that you can share with everybody. Yeah, you know, we we get asked all the time, hey, I don't have a mentor. Where do I get a mentor? And so Kevin and I decided we were going to put it out there that anybody who buys this book and they go to Kevin Mentor, this is how easy it is, go to kevinmentor.com. So you teased at the beginning, you want to have a shark as a mentor, here's your opportunity. Go to kevinmentor.com and you'll have the ability to go buy the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and then you come back there, input your information, and you'll get 30 days of mentorship from Kevin and I. It's going to cover topics like we talked about here. It's business topics. It's family topics. It's relational topics. It's life topics. But 30 days of mentorship. And guess what happens after 30 days? It takes 30 days to form a new habit. After those 30 days, you will be so addicted to the habit of mentorship that you're going to go out and find your own mentors, and you're going to know how to find the right mentors, and you're going to know how to be the right mentor. So that's what this is all about. We want people, in fact, our challenge is for people to go there and buy a book for their mentor or use the example Kevin gave. Maybe there's somebody you want to mentor, you know, and you you send it to that person and say, hey, read this book and then hit me back up. And then you say, how would you like to be the mentor in this book? I need to be the mentee. Or you've got someone that you're ready to start mentoring, you buy a book for them. So buy a book for a future mentor, buy a book for somebody you should be mentoring and buy a book for yourself. We call that the trifecta of exponential impact. And you'll be on your way to being your own mentor to millions. Well, that's awesome. And thank you for that offer. Again, kevinmentor.com. We'll put links to that and um, everything in the show notes. The book, again, is Mentor to Millions. And we've been joined today by the co-authors, Mark Tim and Kevin Harrington. And Kevin, I feel like I need to end the conversation by saying something like, so I'm, I'm going to offer you 25% of the podcast <laughs> for I'm asking, I don't know, I should have probably only asked for like 100 bucks, but no. Oh. Not a million? Oh, come on. Let's get it. Let's hear the big numbers. Those are the ones that drive me crazy. You know? I want a million dollars for 10%. You know, my idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mark. We're going to keep, keep you on, the, pod- you. Oh, on the podcast, but thank you uh, for being here and helping with that, Kevin and Mark. You bet. Great, great being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.